0: What I have for us tonight um, is about the covenant and the marriage that Jesus um, offers us, and that Jesus, He is the point. And as we were learning in worship, he said Lord, the Lord's showing us that He is the point, and relationship and covenant and marriage to Him in a spiritual sense is the entire point of our existence. It's what gives us meaning, it's what gives us purpose, it's what makes makes our hearts come alive. It's marrying Jesus, it's being one with him. And that's a spiritual concept. It's a concept that is is deeply relational, it's deeply spiritual, and it's a connection, but it's a connection and a a, a revelation that the Lord has been. Passing down from generation to generation Ever since Genesis Ever since the creation of mankind It has always been about a marriage covenant with God It's about humankind being married to their creator In a spiritual covenant And the closest picture we get of that on this earth Is the marriage between a husband and a wife The marriage between a husband and a wife Is the closest thing we can understand To Jesus and the church In a book of Ephesians, it talks about Christ and the church and the mystery that is, that it's a marriage. And that husbands and wives reflect that mystery that Christ is joined to the church. But the thing about a marriage and a covenant, the thing about that, is it only involves, at least in the pure sense, it only involves two people. A covenant is between a man and a woman. And a covenant between, the covenant what that is a spiritual covenant is between Jesus and his bride. But it only involves two people. And this is the problem that Israel had all throughout their history. And sometimes we even have it now. Because I don't think that it gets taught enough the love relationship and the absolute furious pursuit of jealous love that Jesus has for you because you're his bride. It's not just a love where he's like, I love you, It's like, oh, I love that, I love this, I love basketball, I love surfing. It's a love that is a jealous love. It's a furious love that Jesus has for his bride. It's a love that doesn't want to share you so the Lord is intent on your heart. Your heart is the only thing, only thing that He would ever give up His life for. And it's your heart that He is intent on possessing completely. But the thing is, the Lord doesn't want to share that heart with, you, uh, with anyone else. He wants your heart to be solely His. He wants that heart to only belong to Him. And as Andrew was saying, you cannot have a divided heart. What that means is saying, I love Jesus, but I also love this sin. It doesn't work. It does not work. And the message that um, I want to share with us is an old message. It's always been the same. But it is the most powerful message. Because here's the thing, the promise from a response to this message is God Himself coming to dwell inside of your very being. Get your head around that. People want fame. People want money. People want prestige and notoriety. They want to get to the top of the pecking order. But the gift that we get is God Almighty dwelling inside your heart and infusing Himself into your very being, that you will become one with Him. What does that mean for your heart? It means your heart is full. Not lacking anymore. But the Bible says the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23, I lack nothing. When your heart's full, then you live from overflow. You can only be filled to the fullness of the measure that you know Jesus. And that you've made your relationship with Him exclusive. It's an exclusive marriage. There's no one else allowed in it. It's just you and Jesus. Let me read a, um, a, a passage, and then I'll, I'll get into the into the gist of what I want to talk about. If you have the Bibles, open up up to Ezekiel eleven seventeen. All right. It says, therefore. So Ezekiel's a prophet, as you guys know. And he's talking to Israel, and everything that was written to Israel is for our benefit, like, as the church. We can learn from it, okay? And so in the Old Testament, Jesus taught out of the Old Testament, and he taught out the prophets. And so this is, inc- this is spoken to Israel at the time, but it's spoken to us. It says, Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you've been scattered, and I'll give you the land of Israel. And they will go there, and they will take away... All, okay, this is a quote. They will take... And they will go there, and they will take away all its detestable things and all its abominations from there. Let me read that again. And they will go there, and they will take away all its detestable things... And all its abominations from there. And I, then I will give them one heart. And I will put a new spirit within them. And take away the stony heart out of their flesh. And give them a heart of flesh. Of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments. And do them. And they shall be my people. And I will be their God. From verse 21, but as for those whose hearts follow the desires for their detestable things and their abominations, I will recompense their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. That bit that I emphasize is the message that it's always been about from the very beginning. God wants his bride and he wants the whole thing. And we come down into the New Covenant or the bridging time between the Old and the New Covenant. And this guy comes on the scene and his name is John the Baptist. And he was telling telling people, he was saying, repent guys of your sins. Repent for the Kingdom of God is coming. You know, the Messiah is coming. The Lamb of God is coming. And then Jesus comes on the scene and guess what he says? He says, the Kingdom of God is at hand. Believe the good news, so believe, and Repent. Believe and repent. Now, what does repentance mean? Does it mean just this harsh word that's trying to smack you around and, and, and trying to, uh, get, you know, is it, is it this really harsh thing? Well, yes. Like, in a sense, it's just like, leave those evil deeds behind. Leave the sin behind. But repentance is a description of an exclusive marriage. Repentance is a description of an exclusive marriage. It's saying, I don't want anything else in my marriage with Jesus other than Him. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means your heart's desire is that. That's really important. It doesn't mean that you're perfect from the point after you've met Jesus and that you never fail. It means your heart is a repentant heart. It's a heart willing to change. It's a heart willing to respond to conviction. It's a heart willing to grow and humble itself. Repentance is all about a marriage. It's all about a relationship. And Jesus came on the scene and he preached that. And then Paul came on the scene and he preached the same thing. Repent and look to the cross. Peter came on the scene and he preached the same thing. Repent and look to the cross. Now, I've got a question for us, a hypothetical question. When was the last time you you heard that to be saved you had to repent and look at the cross? When was the last time you heard that? Because honestly, i barely ever, ever heard that. And I had to figure out, through the Bible and through amazing teachers who actually teach the Word of God, I had to figure out what happened to me when I got saved. And I think a lot of you guys got saved, but you didn't really know what happened. You might not have known. You go, I'm just saved and this happened, but you didn't have the language or the scriptures to understand what this is all about. To put it simply... If, say, this wall is the cross, it's Jesus, and this wall is your sin. Repentance says, I'm looking at sin right now, but Jesus' cross is over there, and I'm saved by the cross plus nothing, but I'm looking at sin right now, I'm doing it, I'm enjoying it, and I'm hanging on to it, right? I'm looking at it with all my heart. (laughs) Repentance is going, I'm turning away from that sin. I'm letting it go and I don't want to do it anymore. And now I'm looking at the cross because it's the cross plus nothing which saves me. Do you see how it's not just the cross and not repentance? It's all one in the same motion. To trust in the cross alone means to let go of your sin. You can't hang on to, your, to willful, disobedient, ongoing lifestyle practices of sin and expect to just look at the cross be saved. Because what you're doing is going, oh yeah, I love the cross. And God's going, you're not looking at the cross. (laughs) I really like the cross. It looks really good. And God's going, no, you're actually not looking at the cross. Like All you're going to do is desire the change. All you're going to do is say, God, I want that change, and I'm changing, and I'm leaving that stuff. We can't let go of sin in our own strength. We can't actually walk that out. Right? But that scripture was telling us from Ezekiel 11, it's saying, you make the heart's decision. You have a broken and contrite heart. You have a heart willing to change and let go of that stuff and turn to the cross. And guess what he does? You're going to have a willing heart to change, but guess what he does? He fulfills his end of the See So you die to yourself and you look at the cross you let go of your life, doing things your way. Hanging on to selfishness. Hanging on to judgment. Oh. <laughs> Judgment's a good one because it makes you feel righteous, but you're not righteous. <laughs> you're like self-righteous. Not good. Adultery in your heart. Anything that is about the pride of life and you filling your heart with pleasure other than the love of Jesus, that's sin. That's selfishness, right? And the Lord doesn't expect perfection from us, but he expects a willingness to change. He doesn't want perfection. He doesn't want you to try to pretend like you're perfect and then never talk to him about an issue and or even turn from it. He wants us to take ownership of our actions, admit where we've sinned, admit that we've fallen short, and admit that we don't want that anymore because we want to be married only to Him. Now, as I was saying before, this has been the story from the get go. And Israel went through this time of following God, not following God, you know, having idols. Not having idols, having things that they worshipped and then having times when they worshipped Jesus. But to the Lord, he views sin and idol uh, sin and um and idolatry. He he views that as a form of idolatry. So putting your heart's desire into your selfishness and into sinful behaviour, like the Bible tells us, putting your heart's desire into that stuff. God looks at it as adultery. He looks at it as cheating. Why? Because He's a jealous lover. Because He loves you. And He wants only you in the marriage. It's not, it's not Jesus, and I also want to bring my greed. I want to bring my envy. I want to bring my self, selfishness. I want to bring my judgment. I want to bring my attitude, frustration, whatever it is. I want to bring all that stuff. God goes, why are you bringing other lovers into the marriage? Don't bring other lovers into our holy marriage because marriage is holy and a marriage bed is undefiled. And he who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with them. You don't join yourself to a prostitute like if you're in a marriage. That wouldn't make any sense. So you wouldn't join your heart to unrepentant, living in sin, loving it, and not actually wanting to change if you're in a marriage with Jesus. This is this making sense? Because it sounds harsh, okay, and it sounds uh, sobering, I guess, but here's the good news, is that the Lord, when you have that desire to change, and when you do let go of those evil deeds, you let go of those evil works, and you turn to the cross, well, it's the cross past nothing that saves us. It's Jesus dying there on that cross that forgives us. It's Jesus dying on that cross that makes us new and gives us his Holy Spirit. But he actually then comes to live inside of us. So I'm assuming I'm not married. (laughs) But from my own experience, I I feel like I know maybe a touch of what marriage is like from the spiritual side of it. I don't know it from in real life because I don't have a ring on my finger. (laughs) But... (laughs) Um but I wish I did. (laughs) Maybe not Maybe not, I don't know, maybe the Lord's got timing Is this
1: an (laughs) advertisement? Yeah, Yeah, it's not advertising (laughs) guys. No, I'm just
0: Alright, so (laughs) this is an advertisement. Um but I am married to Jesus, thank you. There you, there you yeah. Okay, and he loves us and he loves me. I'm Like right, so it's cool. Um But I do know a bit about maybe what it's it, it's like from the spiritual sense and as I was saying before, when I gave my heart back to Jesus, I I I didn't know what happened to me, but now I know what happened. I was this, okay, you, some of you guys know my testimony, but I just want to, I don't want to, you know, talk about myself a whole lot, but I want to just give an example of what I know repentance to be, because I don't want people to get, get confused, I want to try and explain it to Christ. So when I was um, in my high school days, like I was, I was very far from Jesus and I didn't, I, I walked away from him from when I was a little kid. And it was to the point where I put it this way: like I would be shooting hoops, right, and I'd be playing basketball. And if I missed a shot in basketball, I would just look up to the sky and say, like, like, rude word, and I'd say, <laughs> F, 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 like, to God, and I'd say, why did you do that? Because I had this anger issue in my heart, and this, this, this bent against God, and I was just so frustrated and mad at, mad at him for no reason at all. And I mean, the Bible says that, like, it says that they'll hate me without cause, so poor Jesus got the rough end of the stick, like, without cause. <laughs> they hate him, it's just like, well, why do you hate him? And you have got to ask yourself, if you do hate him, why do you hate him? And that's a good question to ask, because then you go, actually, there's no reason to hate him, he loves me. Why would I hate someone who loves me? Anyway, so that's what I was like. Well, that's the type of person, and that's the type of person we all are, in a sense, like, in our own way. We all don't like God when we're unregenerated, when we don't have a relationship with Him. Whether you act good or not, if you go deep down in your heart, and your heart gets fully revealed, before you met Jesus, the heart's just gone. It's just dark and, and mean and bad. And anyway, so... My heart was in that, um, in that bad place. And that's the type of person that Jesus died for. Now, he didn't die just for a historical event. He died because he wanted to be restored back into that relationship. He wanted to be restored back into that marriage that he originally had from the beginning. In the beginning, Jesus was with his bride already. He was with Adam and Eve. They were his first people group. They were his first church. And it was with them. It was good. Because they had a marriage, they had a covenant. Now, humankind committed adultery against God. They, they, they cheated on Him while they were in a marriage with Him. And the result of that was a pretty severe punishment. As you'd understand, it makes a lot of sense how heartbroken and jealous God is. And His God, like, it wasn't a good cheating deal. It was just like a... It was like, why did you go for that like, that was a bad move. <laughs> and so they cheated on God. And Jesus came, and all after all these years of idolatry, 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 Israel doing basically everything but loving Jesus, everything but obeying Him and keeping His commandments for holiness. God has just basically had kind of enough, and He said, I'm getting my bride back whether I like it or not this is what this is all about. It's about being united in a spiritual marriage. It's about being united in the covenant with God. And Jesus said, I'm coming to get my bride back, whether I like it or not. And he died on that cross because he loves us. And he died on the cross because he wants a relationship with us. And he couldn't have that relationship with all the other idols and sin and adultery and all the other partners. So he had to die on that cross to get rid of all those other partners. He had to die to get rid of those other lovers. Because he was jealous for it to just be you and me in his bride in a relationship with him. Now his resurrection confirmed that that, that God accepted that. God, God actually accepted Jesus' payment of the sin. And Jesus is alive now. And what that means is now Jesus gets his reward. And we're his reward. We are his reward because we're his bride he has a covenant with us and He wants a relationship with all of us. But what I was saying before is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and, the, and, and the, the fear of the Lord, the Lord reveals His covenant to those that fear Him. So there's a reverence to this and a reverence for what Jesus has done for us. And for me, when I was in that place, in that dark place, realising that Jesus died for me and that He gave His life for me, it was like a reference. It was just like, oh my gosh, you're real, you're alive, you died for me. And what happened in that moment? I sat in my car at Dy Beach and I said, I said to Jesus, Lord, I don't want to live my way anymore. Because I, what, along the trip journey, I'd heard the scripture, "For my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts," says the Lord. From the distance to the heavens to the earth, it's how much greater my ways are than your ways, and my thoughts are than your thoughts. And I realized in that moment that I was accusing God and I was being so, having so much animosity towards Him. But, and I was using all my reasoning and all my high arguments and, and everything that I thought that disproved Him, and even though I was swearing at Him, so I was trying kind to of disprove Him, but I knew He was there, because I was angry at Him, which is crazy. But I was doing all of this, and then Jesus decided that He would still die for me and show that unconditional love. The Bible says that God makes the sunshine on the good and the evil, the just and the unjust. The good and the evil, the just and the unjust. Jesus died not just for us, he died for all the world. Does all the world receive him and go to heaven? No, a lot of the world's going to go to hell because they don't trust in him. Why? Because his jealous love, that jealous fire is going to consume everyone who doesn't trust in him. And that's a place of punishment. That's a place called hell. So that's the type of person that Jesus dies for. And He loves you before you even thought about Him, before you even loved Him. But we can't, as the church now, after all these years and all the adultery that's been committed to God... After all of these years, we can't turn around and say, all you're going to do is believe that Jesus existed and you'll go to heaven. That's not the gospel, okay? Why? Because Jaz read it in her sermon the other night. Guess what? The demons believe that Jesus existed. They all believe he existed. Are the demons going to heaven? No. 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 Do the demons have a marriage covenant with God? No. They're the enemy, okay? Demon's bad, God, good. They're they're different sides. But they still believe that Jesus existed, okay? So it's not about just believing Jesus existed. What is it then? Well, in that moment when I was in my car, I realised that that God's way was right and my way wasn't. In my car, I was sitting there and I realised, hang on a minute, I've been living my way and I haven't been obeying your way, God. And I haven't trusted in you, Jesus. Now, repentance is how we show our trust in God. When we turn from our sin and say, I don't want that anymore. Was I perfect from that moment on? No. But guess what? My heart changed to actually want to change. So God, all He desires is a broken and contrite heart. He doesn't want that perfection. He doesn't want performance. He wants us to admit when we've failed but turn back to him and say, God, I want to do it your way. I am And he goes, my mercy is new for you every single morning. My forgiveness is right now all over you and you look white as snow. See how repentance and ch- turning away, it's a heart decision. It, it, it brings the cross's revelation of forgiveness into us. But it also provides us with the gift of God. And so from that moment on, when I was, um, when I did make that decision to say, not my way, but your way, God. I don't want to be Lord anymore. I want you to be Lord. I don't want to. I, want, I don't want to have a, a covenant with you and all of this other stuff. I just want to be you. When I decided to do that, then God gives us the gift, and that's what Ezekiel 11 is saying: the gift of His Spirit. He says, "I'll take out the old heart, that old heart that you used to have. I'll, I'll take it out because." You, it's almost a prophetic act. You're saying, Lord, I'm letting go of that evil, and I'm turning to you. I couldn't. You can't. We can't do that without a new heart. But it's almost a prophetic act. You're saying, I'm letting go of that evil, knowing full well that you're going to give me a new heart, knowing that you're going to give me your Spirit, and you're going to empower me to keep your commandments. So the commandments of God are essential. Anyone who tells you otherwise is not telling the truth. There is the commandments of God. Jesus came he, Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And the Holy Spirit is given to us so we can fulfill the law of liberty and the law of love. It's the heart of the law. It's the heart of compassion, mercy, justice. But it's also the moral law. Like the Ten Commandments didn't go out the window just because Jesus died and rose again. Jesus is a Jewish as Jewish as they come. He is a Jew through and through and he loves the Torah, and he loves the Tanakh, he, he loves the Holy Scriptures. But so he came to fulfil the law. What does that mean? Well he came to die on the cross as our the curse for us, but he also came to give us the Holy Spirit so we could keep the law. Not in a sense of the rituals and the food requirements, the heart of the law. What's God's heart that my beloved would belong to me? And all day long they would thirst and they would pant as a deer pants for the waters. So my soul will pant for the Lord. I just want to please Him because He's already pleased with me. See, the position that He's pleased with us, He says, "You are My children, who I love, and You are well pleased." But once the Holy Spirit gets into your life, and you've, after you've repented and you've turned away from your dead works, once you've let God and you've looked at the cross and you've seen Your Savior dying there for you, You've seen Him washing you with His mercy then all you want to do is follow him and obey him. There's not a half-half. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm a cool Christian, like I, I like to like, follow Jesus and also do drugs. <laughs> it's, it's, I like to follow Jesus, and I want to do what pleases his heart. And sin and what he tells us in his word, when we break his commandments with the commandments I was talking about a few of them before, it all starts in that selfishness and focusing on ourselves. And repentance is the first time in our life that we actually take our eyes off of ourselves and our sin and we put them onto the cross, and finally we're free. Because as long as we're living for ourselves, it's so hard and you're just so unfulfilled and you've got full of worry and stress and strife. But once we learn that our life is not our own and that repentance is turning away from living for ourselves, and it's turning to living for Jesus because of what he's done for us. Then we finally have peace, we can rest, because we're not trying to hang on and get with selfish ambition to attain a title and attain a, a position of prestige. The Lord's given us a position of prestige by calling us his bride. <laughs> So the Lord requires our heart and He requires repentance in our heart. And as we're going along the way, we're walking along, I definitely do not live a perfect life. (laughs) There is stories of mercy, of God's mercy, of how I've stuffed stuffed things up in this room and in God's redemption and mercy. And all of us, we have stories where we've failed. But the thing that is important and the most important thing is a heart that is willing to, willing to admit when we've done wrong, when we've committed adultery of God, and a heart that's willing to turn back to Him and say, Lord, you're my one and only, and I'm sorry for what I did. And you know, the Lord is so gracious and merciful. Jesus is so merciful. Even though we do that and sin hurts Him so badly, when we've got that repentant heart, we're just in His grace. <sighs> we're in His grace. And He says, I accept you as you are. I accept you back again. All you have to do is turn from that and come to me. That's the mercy of the Lord. That's his love and that's his unconditional love. God, we receive this back every time, even when we commit spiritual idolatry There's a promise through all of this, and it, and it sounds hard, hard, and it is hard denying ourselves. It's, it is hard, and you know, like the Bible tells us, not everyone's going to get it, and that's okay. Like it just is what it is. But um, some people just, yeah, yeah. The best thing I can do is just say, like, you know, we've got to humble ourselves because, yeah. It with pride, pride in our heart, pride will stop this repentance, and that's all. All repentance is—it's humility. And pride will quench that. But yes, it is hard. It is so hard when we're um, we're thinking about this, but it is the most effortless thing we do when we finally get our eyes on ourselves and we look at Jesus and we we enter into that covenant because we've entered into that selflessness of repentance. Once we stop looking at ourselves and we're looking at Christ in us, above us and all around us, in us as in, He dwells in our heart, above us as He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, all around us the Holy Spirit um, God, God God, is everywhere He's omnipresent but once we start looking at Him then we finally find our life so we think that it's uh, uh, sin and sometimes people think that living in sin or like you know, dabbling with it, it's, it's fun it's not fun at all once the repercussions of it set in and once the pain of it sets in and the lord promises us when we enter into his covenant with him well he's not going to leave you dry he's not going to leave you hanging he's going to embrace you and reveal his love to you the love that only a perfect love i could ever give to you a love that's infused into your heart and you can't escape it you can't outrun it and he keeps pulling you back every single time every time you wander he says you're coming back to me That's the jealous love of Jesus and that's the love that pursued Israel over and over and over again and it's the same love that pursues you and me. But you don't have to run away to experience it. You can just dwell in it within your heart. And the love of Jesus, it sounds so, you know, like, I don't know why, but it just doesn't sound like uh, exciting and whatever until you experience his, His love in your heart and you just... You're fulfilled. You don't need anything else anymore. You've got it. You've got you've got the point to life. Experiencing the love of Jesus. If you don't have that, you've, you've, I'm 24. I'm pretty young, but I'm gonna say, pretty, be pretty bold. You may have missed it. You missed the point to life, and I feel like I found that out pretty early in my life. It doesn't matter necessarily about age. It matters about your heart and what you what what you know of God. And, 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 and what you've experienced in your life. You can experience a lot of difficult things and, and experience a lot of the world while in your short amount of time on, on earth. But guys, once, once you experience that, and, we have, and a lot of us have, this is affirming and this is encouraging, but this is the promised gift of repentance, okay? So we don't have to muster anything up, we don't have to make anything happen, but the gift and the promise of the Father for our repentance... And turning to him is the Holy Spirit, it's, it's the love of Christ, the love of Jesus being poured into our heart. Romans 5.3, By the Holy Spirit, He's been given to us. That's the gift that we get. Now, if you don't want that, like if you don't necessarily want that, that's you know, that's up to you. But if you do, uh, if you if you do desire that, and, and some of us have desired that and received that, the way there. Is is through denying ourselves and picking up our cross and following Him. When we lose our life, then we find it. When we choose to lay it down, then you find it. And we hear a lot of teaching these days. It's all about us. Have you noticed that? There's a lot of teaching. It's all about you know the kingdom and, and, and it's us and it's we're going to get our thing and we're going to get this and we're going and, and cool. It's all good stuff because it's inside of the covenant of the Lord, right? But notice the language. It's us, 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 us. I don't know if you've noticed that. But that's an issue when it's all pointed to us, when it's meant to be all about Jesus. It's meant to be all about Him. It's meant to be all about adoring Him and loving Him. Because we're the creation and He's the Creator. And the creation is has been created to worship the Creator. We've been created to satisfy the relationship with Him. We've been created to satisfy His his heart. We've been created to love Him selflessly. And obviously, it's because He loved us first. But that's what the Bible teaches us, is when we lose our life, then we find it. When we lay it down and say, Jesus, it's all about you. It's a, I don't know how it makes sense, but He just goes, no, it's all about you. and It was all about you. And I proved it like I loved you first. (laughs) It's a, it doesn't make any sense, but our heart posture has to be. It's all about Him. But repentance isn't just a means in itself. It, it's, it's to get us looking at the Lord. It's to get us in that love affair where we're looking at His eyes of fire and you can't look away. And then everything else in your life, like the pursuits, so there's so much stuff that we, we, we can try and get and try and fulfill our heart. But the love of Jesus, that's, that's enough. That's enough. That is enough for us. That is enough for us. And then everything else flows out of there. You know, if, if you're gifted in a certain area or you're called to a certain area or you have certain desires, everything else flows out of that place of Jesus being enough for us in our heart. Why? Because He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. going to do now is if your heart was burning then if you felt convicted by the Holy Spirit if you felt different things in your heart that you knew that you had to let go of or you felt like like this isn't for everyone sometimes you can sit you sit there and just feel like oh no Lord I'm, I'm, I'm good with you like that's fine just don't be in denial but just, just no like, and let the Holy Spirit speak it speak to your heart. But if your heart's burning and it's, and you know that, that there's been other lovers in your life, there's been other things you've been hanging on to, we're going to, um, I'm going to chase or, uh, the worship group, maybe just to um, come up and, and, and worship and sing a song. and as we're as we're worshiping it's not all about like you don't have to worry about worry about anything you don't have to um, like as in, you're not coming up in front of everyone per se because other people are going to be worshiping and if you feel your heart's fine then that's all good but what i what I would like is if your heart's burning and you know that there's other lovers in your life and you know there's there's something there's there's Things that you've given your heart to that aren't Jesus, and the Lord's convicting you right now in the best possible way, and you say, "No, that's not you and me. I love you, and that's not that's not part of what we've got going on. That's not what I desire for you." And if your heart's burning in that way, then then I'd love um yeah then then I invite you as like an act of faith and just saying, "Lord, I'm coming forward and I'm just stepping." into this repentance. I'm literally walking out of sin and I'm, I'm choosing to turn to you. I'm choosing to receive you and, and make you my one Lord and my one love. That I can love you with all my heart, mind, soul and strength. If you feel that, then, um, then come forward um, as we worship. Turn to Jesus. And yeah, every, and, and, and other people who, who are feeling um you're feeling like, oh wow, my heart feels good, I feel confirmed in my relationship with the Lord, it's all good. And just just behold um, the Lord for this last song. And I'm gonna pray um that as you worship as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you worship that the Holy Spirit would manifest himself to you. And people who